The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. It's, uh, what is it? It's Monday, July 3rd. Happy July 4th, a day early, yeah, sir. How are happy, you today? Ju- happy July 4th to you. I'm doing pretty good. You know, we're going to see how, we're going to see how the old dog does with, uh, with fireworks. Um, uh, but, uh, but I, but he did pretty good last night with the first round. So we'll see how he does with so the full round. When, when question, when did we decide that fireworks begin three days in advance of the 4th of July? Is this like testing? I'm not sure what's going on. They do it here as well. They did it in Albuquerque. I'm in here being Dallas. They did it in Albuquerque when I was there. I, I don't think we really need a reason to shoot fireworks. I, I don't either, but I think that beer commercials combined with, you know, long weekends off kind of lead to people wanting to light fireworks and, believe if and you get left themselves the word in emergency out, rooms like early, you know? So, I believe if you left the word commercial out yeah. of that, it would be more accurate. That That's true. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think they just want to beat the rush to the, the holiday rush to the emergency room. That's all it is. Like they want to beat J- Jason Pierre, Paul, JPP. No, to, to it, no you know? players need to do anything. We are in the month of July. Yeah. The quiet time of the NFL. That means stay like quiet, Tyree guys. Kills. That means Tyree kills fishing trips become of much greater interest <laughs> to all of us. Uh, and uh, we could talk and, you know, we'll we'll get to that at some point. We've all yeah. we've kind of hit on it. But, you know, we'll see how it plays out. We're getting a little closer to some resolution on Joe Mixon's off field issues as well. Uh, Alvin Kamara's trial is the 31st set to start. So we'll have some resolution on some of these things. But I want to go with some more amorphous issues today. Good, because uh, I'm tired of Judge Judy, and I've never even watched the show. Feel it or fuck it here. Uh, so so here's the – let me set this up. So uh, as we head into the season, Jordan Love about to start for the uh, Green Bay Packers. And the argument here at NFL.com is that Love is actually in a better spot taking over as the starter than when Aaron Rodgers was. The argument was Love's played in more games, thrown more touchdowns in his three years, learning the ropes than Rodgers did under Brett Favre. He's seen more game action and started in place of Rodgers, something Rodgers didn't do until he was actually named the starter. Numbers are, it's, it's a narrow band of information, Matt. Are you feeling this argument that Jordan Love is better prepared to take over as the starting quarterback at Green Bay Packers than when Aaron Rodgers was? No, not at all. Fuck that. Because I, I love the, you know, I mean, I, I understand from the, from, you know, the, the service of like box score and game participation. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to how well a quarterback makes decisions. And Aaron Rodgers entering the NFL was more prepared to take over the Packers reins than Jordan Love was. So maybe if Jordan Love proves that he's gotten he's gotten a lot better over a longer period of time than what Aaron Rodgers needed to get better at um maybe that that will prove out to be the case but I'm waiting for you know if you're drafted as an NFL caliber quarterback in the first three to four rounds it should be expected that um you're going to be semi-competent when they put you in the game but over a course of time when teams start to get a book on you are you going to be able to really uh, grow past that to become a top-end starter? And we just don't know. So right now, it's just interesting talk. 
Yeah, and the, you, worth noting, the 2008 season, Rodgers' first starter, he threw his career-high 13 interceptions. 13's not very many. I'm going to bet. I'm going to take the over on that for love. But I'm going to continue my argument that the Packers know more about this than we do. Um, I'm starting to draft him a little bit, certainly as a third quarterback with some upside, and he's been available there in the best balls I've been drafting in. Yeah. And there are some leagues where I'm actually, if I'm waiting real late, I'll go ahead and take a swing on him. And he's, my number two. Yeah, he's totally what people, what most of the people who are talking about um, that love is more prepared to take the reins than Aaron Rodgers. Most of them were the same people who said that, you know, Patrick Mahomes was just a <clears throat> wild child who couldn't right. really, who would just be an interception machine with lots of excitement. Well, that's who Jordan Love actually is, uh, at least was coming out of the gate. So we'll see if I, I'm betting the over under is 20 interceptions. Fair. Uh, and, and by the way, just uh, you, you mentioned that box score, you know, kind of numbers and things, you know, there's uh, there are other numbers. Uh, I happen to be reading a great article in the uh, 34th edition of the Fantasy Football Pro Forecast. Get yours uh, soon. Get your, it's available now. It's out on newsstands. Uh, look for it. It's everywhere. Also available at footballdiehards.com. Use the promo code diehards for 15% discount. But there's an article by a guy named Matt Waldman. And the discussion is about Anthony Richardson and his accuracy and the difference between box score and charted accuracy. And uh, something to pay attention to, people. And maybe that's the case uh, for one Jordan Love as well. Uh, Justin Herbert. Um, sources tell me, those sources being my eye, he's really good. Uh, I'm no draft nick or anything, but uh, he has been playing really well. Great rookie season, set records for completions and touchdowns, uh, passing yards per game, offensive rookie for, of the year, all those things. He took a step forward in year two. Last year, not so great. There were a lot of injuries. There were some issues. Joe Lombardi's been let go. And Kellen Moore takes over. And I think what's interesting is Kellen Moore, in the two years, Moore had a healthy Dak Prescott. His offense led the NFL in total yards. Cowboys finished top six in scoring in each season where Prescott played at least six games. Last year, I think they ranked, what, third in touchdown scored. I mean, they run the ball really well. And Moore was talking this week about the height advantage his receiving core gives him. I don't think they got a guy under six feet there, right? I mean, between Quentin, Quentin Johnston, the newcomer, and uh, Mike Williams got a couple 6'4 guys, Keenan Allen 6'2, uh, Donald Parham Jr. making some waves in camp, 6'8 at tight end. Nobody under six feet tall said we're going to be throwing in a different jet stream, as the way he put it. Are we feeling the Chargers offense being better than the Cowboys has been? Um, I can see a path to that success, but I'm not going to put it totally on what his explanation is because Quentin Johnson is a good example of a tall wide receiver who, because of the way he uses his hands to trap the football in situations on contested throws that you would say the jet stream is higher. He's actually a tall receiver who plays like he's a five, seven receiver with no vertical. Um, so there's got, he's got some work to do. The rest of them I agree with. Um, so when I look at it from this perspective, the other thing too, is that, Kellen Moore, when we watched him at Boise State as a quarterback, he's a perfect example of that limited arm talent who was a highly technical player. Um, you know, drop back, you know, with all the drops and all the play action. I have to think there's a little bit of bias with Kellen Moore that when he was working with Dak Prescott, who was not, you know, the quintessential technician but just got the job done. And a lot of it was due to athletic ability that Kellen Moore could never even come within 50 miles of. I think he looks at Justin Herbert and sees the athletic ability that Herbert has, but also admires that technical skill of the pocket quarterback who can execute on paper exactly how Moore would 
expected to be seen and how he was raised to <clears> see it. So I think that seeing that with Herbert probably makes him feel a little better when you're from your from a offensive coordinator's point of view of like sticking to the play and knowing that you don't have to lean so much all the time on your athletic ability in the way that maybe Dak Prescott sometimes had to veer away from it in in Dallas. So, you know, from that perspective, I love what they're saying, but let's remember something. Keenan Allen gets hurt almost every year and he's old. Um, Quentin Johnston, you, you know, we just talked about him. Mike, Williams, great. That's fine. They lost DeAndre Carter, who's a pretty solid veteran. Um, Palmer, still, you know, good. But is he, can he be 1,300 yards good? Or is he always going to be an 800, 900-yard player at best? And so I I like it. I think they can be competitive with the Cowboys, but I'm not ready to say better. Fair enough. I, th- I think there's a lot to like talk to Joe Reedy from the Associated Press, who covers that team on a Joe daily Reedy. basis there this we go. past weekend. And uh, and and he thinks he thinks we should expect a little stronger rushing attack, which he thinks will take some pressure off and maybe a little more you know deep ball, more deep balls. And I think that was a big issue with Lombardi was the average depth of target was not as great as they would have liked it to have been last year. I wonder if some of that wasn't due to the fact of what you said the injuries a wide receiver. By the way, Keenan Allen, the slanderous talk you just gave on him. Uh, remember, one of his injuries was like, what, a lacerated kidney or something? I mean, he's had some bad luck with injuries. Also, when he returned from the hamstring last year, which was, okay, he had a hamstring issue. He returned. He was a wide receiver six from week 13 on in fantasy. Hey, I uh, love Keenan Allen. I just don't love that I can't rely on him. I'm going to just take issue with that young man. Fuck that. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll move on. The Broncos, they had Cortland Sutton study Michael Thomas's 2019 film this offseason. I think we should all do that. It was joyous. Uh, and so, you know, there's some hope there. Uh, but beyond that, uh, NFL Network's James Palmer said multiple people in the Broncos building believe Tim Patrick is, quote, the best football player in the wide receiver room. Are you feeling... The cheaper assets in Denver over Jerry Judy, and just for a little context, Judy currently on underdog best ball is going off as wide receiver 21 at the associated cost. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 48, 93 ADP. Tim Patrick, the free square, wide receiver 83 at 196 ADP. Yeah, I'm feeling Tim Patrick and Marvin Mims, actually, as the cheaper options there, just because Judy's been a, a relative disappointment. He had a good year last year. I'll say that. He did. But I think when people said he's like, you know, the next Antonio Brown, I thought maybe at best he could become a Reggie Wayne type of presence at best. Um, And I don't think he's there yet. And so Sutton, it's good that he's studying Michael Thomas's tape. Um, But at the end of the day, it's still about him and the catch point and some things that he's sloppy with. I think one of... Sutton or Judy will be gone by midseason, and I think it's probably going to be Sutton. Um, and Patrick, feel good about him. I mean, he's a, but he's, if he's their best player, that tells you what you what you need to know about the inexperience of Marvin Mims, KJ Hamler, Sutton, and Judy. Because Patrick can play a little bit outside, but he's at his best inside, working against safeties. And so he's a he's a reliable pass catcher. He's where the receiver need he needs where the quarterback needs him to be. But I don't think he's necessarily a one on one third and fifteen. They know what's coming and they can't stop him. He's not mm. that player. 
So that, to me, that statement says Broncos receiving core has some growth to do. Yeah, they, they, there's a reason they spent some time fielding calls for both Judy and Sutton and apparently didn't get the price they were after. I, I, I do think, you know, I have some shares of Patrick. I think Sutton's price is fairly appealing if he yeah. went anywhere. But, look, we've seen super high-end receivers suddenly just fall off the cliff. We usually associate that with running backs. Uh, I think Kenny Galladay and, and, and Allen Robinson would like a word with us on that. It's, you know, sometimes receivers just hit that, uh, hit that cliff as well. So yeah. we'll see maybe Sutton's there, Sutton's there too. Uh, much of this will hinge on Russell Wilson also returning to some level of productivity. It is encouraging that Sean Payton is done with the nonsense. Russell Wilson no longer has an offense. His people no longer are office. His people no longer have, you know, any sway inside the building. And so we'll see how that plays out. Frank Reich in Carolina. Uh, mentioned Jonathan Mingo when asked to name his spring standouts. I saw just, I think, yesterday, Terrace Marshall Jr. also getting some positive reviews. Uh, the Athletic, uh, Joseph Person saying Raheem Blackshear could emerge as an outlet for Bryce Young out of the backfield. Oh, so much greatness in Carolina. <laughs> Yet somehow I find myself only really interested in Miles Sanders and maybe moderately interested in very late-round flyers on Adam Thielen as a non-zero player, and maybe DJ Chark in best ball. Uh, what, what's your feeling on any of Carolina's non-Miles Sanders assets? Uh, are you in on any of this, or fuck them all? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to be in on monitoring Jonathan Mingo because he could become a standout player for them. Terrace Marshall is still a talented guy, and but how much of this, you know, the, the tough part about this is, how do you how do you believe which is the spring let's talk up the guy and make him feel confident and keep working hard type of thing and how much of this is legitimate and how much of this is the 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 beat reporter who's who's just asking other people what they thought of what's going on and then writing it writing it as if like this is a stand up um, so may, may I answer let me answer that uh combined 100% Yes, combine one. There we go. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep an eye on Mingo. Raheem Blackshear has always been a great screen player yep. and, and a dump-off option. So that makes sense that he could be kind of the um, – trying to remember the name of the kid who I who I liked out of Southern Miss who used to play with – oh, Jalen Richard. He could be a Jalen Richard type of player. I think there's potential for that if they need that. But I don't think it changes my view of Miles Sanders an right. awful lot. I know you're a little higher on him than I am, but I still think Sanders is in for a solid season. If anything, Raheem Black Raheem Blackshirt could emerge as an outlet for Bryce Young out of the backfield, and it could change my view of <laughs> of Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, right. which wasn't very I didn't hold Not him very high esteem anyway. So right. yeah, there we go. <laughs> I would like to remind everybody, nobody likes Miles Sanders as much as uh, fantasy nation loves Miles Sanders. And it, it harkens back to the rookie season in Philadelphia where he was the predominant playmaker. They had a series of number of injuries that wide out. He ended up catching 50 passes and was their biggest playmaker and showed a lot of downfield speed and ability. And we've all been waiting to see more of that. And we'd like to think we're going to see some of it in Carolina. I'm hopeful, but not entirely sure, but I am drafting with the higher end of his current range. Getting his running back two seems reasonable, and I don't know that I expect a whole lot of running back one weeks, but I suppose it's possible. Um, same goes in Houston. Uh, Texans running back coach Danny Barrett said this week, 
Damian Pierce has improved his pass blocking this offseason. He also spent a lot of time watching film of one Christian McCaffrey in an effort to understand what's possible in this offense. And, uh, I mean, I love the positive buzz. Um, also, I'm old enough to remember when Devin Singletary signed with this team because he did it just a couple months ago. And he's there. I know our friend Gary Davenport over at Bleacher Report has big concerns. He thinks Singletary is not just a guy. He's a little more than just a guy. And this is going to be a limiting factor for uh, Damian Pierce. Are you feeling that? Or fuck it? I'm, I'm not feeling that. Um, like, I, you know, lots of respect to Gary and the work that he does. And I certainly think Devin Singletary, if called upon, can be a like a low end running back too for a team. Um, but if they're using Devin Singletary, if they have to use Devin Singletary as the primary option because Pierce gets hurt, I guarantee you that they will be looking for a speedy guy to get the edges in that 49ers offense, um, you know, or style of offense that they want to run. Because Singletary doesn't have that speed at all. Can't say that Damian Pierce does either, but he has a little more burst than Singletary does. Um, so if you ask me, I think it goes down like this. Damian Pierce is a mid to low end running back too. If Singletary has the value that people fear, um, or I, or at least somewhat fear, and then if there's no fear at all, then Damian Pierce is a high end running back too. So as long as you keep the expectations at running back too, I think you're going to be fine with him. Yeah, Singletary currently 154 ADP on underdog best balls. He's running back 49. Pierce is going. Pierce is going a little a little bit higher than I would expect, you know, in some of the names that are going after him. I'm maybe slightly more interested in. Uh, he is running back 21 right now with a 67 ADP. Some of the names going after him that I would prefer, Cam Akers, uh, Dalvin yep. Cook, I would probably still prefer yep. to take a chance on. Uh, Rashad White, James Conner. Uh, there are many others going after him, but those were some that I would be super interested yeah. in taking ahead of Mr. Damien. The Pierce. first two, I'm with you, and then... James Conner, possibly. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, it's the clear path. Until somebody lands there, I don't see anyone usurping that workload. It's the question there is, you know, how good is that offense going to be? Also, I have that same question in Houston. So <laughs> there's that. Not feeling that offense just yet, yet. Still, uh, here I am out there going, Nico Collins in round 12? Okay. Yep. Can't resist. It's irresistible. Our um, buddy Dwayne McFarland agrees. Okay. And uh, I like it when Dwayne McFarland agrees because it makes me feel way smarter than I probably am. Uh, something that makes me feel less smart than I probably am. I've been investing some shares, free squares, right? Granted, in Tyquan Thornton. I think the fantasy community, Matt, has kind of decided at some point that he had moved ahead of Devontae Parker. Uh, Devontae Parker's new paycheck suggests we've been hasty in that. Uh, Parker gets a three-year, $33 million deal. Sounds like it's heavily incentive-based, or at least half of it is in incentives. So... There's that, but also talked to Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe uh, a couple weeks ago, and she mentioned uh, that Tyquan Thornton has been notably absent from workouts, uh, a soft tissue injury. This seems to be an ongoing issue with him at times. So also an ongoing issue with Parker. Um, but I guess the question is, do you feel like we've written Devontae Parker off too soon? No. <laughs> Thank you. Because let's just put it this way. If there is a team that, it, like, if I were – 25 years younger and in the need to like make a living like like trying to establish a way to make a living and i had some nfl connections at that time i would probably try to take a job for free to be a wide receiver consultant for bill belichick <laughs> when it comes to the draft because other than slot receivers they are awful 
at drafting outside receivers. And Bill Belichick has admitted as much. And I think that they have, they really have a bad picker when it comes to choosing receivers um, who are not slot players or players who could convert to the slot. And so when you look at Parker, I mean, the athletic ability is absolutely there. The ability to get it done week to week has not. They could have, they could have had better up and coming players that they could have taken a chance on than Parker. I just think this is just another chapter in the book that says the, you know, the nightmare on, you know, whatever the address is for the 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 Patriots facility because this is, you know, their their wide receiver core is just filled with players who who just don't make that next step and are just limited in some fashion. Yeah, I think those free free squares that I've spent on Tyquan Thornton, uh, I probably paid the appropriate price for them. Yeah. I'll put it like that. Uh, so speaking of unproven young products at wide receiver, uh, this Mike Evans kid uh, <laughs> coming off his ninth straight 1,000-yard season. Uh, I think Jerry Rice has 11 in a row. Uh, Evans feels like he can get there. Uh, we'll see who the quarterback is right now. I talked to Scott Reynolds' computer report this past weekend. He said he, he, he's really high on Baker Mayfield, by the way. Not, you know, like high on Baker Mayfield being a super high-end quarterback, but high on Baker Mayfield having been humbled and realizing the opportunity he is getting uh, in this point. Matt, what are you going to do? You're going to poke me in the eye with the He straw? needs to put the straw down so he doesn't get uh, high anymore. Okay. Uh, so That's, anyway. Yeah. The, the the point being, uh, he feels like Mike Evans is more than capable of hitting this 1,000 yards. I believe the Buccaneers will put every effort into getting him there. Are you feeling Mike? Look, Mike Evans is going dirt cheap. I mean, he and Chris Godwin are both going cheap. You're paying more for Godwin in best balls right now, uh, and you probably will at your regular draft. But Evans is get, hitting that point where I'm starting to feel like he's a value, Matt. Are you uh, with me on this or fuck that? No, I'm with you on it, in fact, because I know that's a surprise because you're thinking, all I'm thinking is Baker Mayfield sucks, you're so there, that's, that's what it is. But of the two, as much as I think Chris Godwin is the better all-around receiver, like he's the guy that I think is better all-around than Mike Evans, though Evans and what he does in his role has a higher fantasy ceiling. Um, even with Baker Mayfield, what Baker Mayfield does best is throw either deeper targets with air under the ball or a lot of these intermediate routes that are against safeties in the middle of the field or to the boundary, you know, and the receiver who's going to get most of those will be Mike Evans. They'll match him up in the slot. They'll try and pair him against the corners where he can work those, um, use his height to win on sale routes, corner routes, things like that. So the, where Baker Makefield struggles are the Odell Beckham routes in the middle of the field. Um, against one-on-one -on -one coverage, tight coverage, where he has to throw the ball on time and with pinpoint accuracy, which he's never really been able to do at the level he should have that prompted Odell Beckham's dad to send videos to the Cleveland Browns facility um, or to the media. And I think that, uh, you know, if Chris Godwin has a father who's like that, we're going to see a lot of videos to the facility. <laughs> um, but Mike Evans won't struggle as much in that regard. So I think he has a shot to gain 1,000 yards. Um, if he doesn't, Baker may, I'll just put it this way, Baker Mayfield will be his favorite person to hate on. I'll say that. 
Yeah, I mean, it was 1,124 yards last year. Touchdowns were the issue, right? He dropped to six. Uh, even with Tom Brady, but the offense fell off, though. They were 21st average yards per drive. Yeah. Offensive line was bad. I don't know that it'll be a ton better this year, but slightly better, maybe. They were 26 in average points per drive, and uh, Evans only saw the 10 end zone targets. That's the red zone targets. That's the fewest of his career. So, uh, so there's reason to believe. And also on Godwin, just you know, a quick note there, uh, Matt, the talk this offseason that we'll see him more on the outside, that maybe the, his time is – they feel like they're really banging him up in the slot and that he's uh, he's more than capable of playing on the outside. I see you nodding in agreement too, Expound, please. Yeah, and I think that's – you know, he's a he's an excellent flanker who can win contested catches, terrific route runner all around. It's just that with um, Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady really wanted – he really wanted to take advantage of the diagnostic skills that Tom Brady has pre and early post-snap to work with a top slot receiver like Godwin. So Godwin was a great weapon for them, especially when their offensive line was limited. And let's remember this. If the offensive line isn't that much better, I'd rather take a 50-year-old Tom Brady than a than a, than a peak Baker Mayfield in terms of pocket presence. Mayfield may be able to run around more, but he's going to run himself into um, getting hammered. Um, because he doesn't really understand how to manage a pocket like Brady, who was one of the best ever. So, you know, Godwin was a benefit of that. But Mayf I think they look at what Mayfield can and can't do and go, if we put keep Godwin on the inside, he's going to get killed. Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly what the argument has been. So I have one here for you. I want you to spend 15 seconds on this for me and the seven other people that might have drafted him in deep in dynasty drafts or accidentally taken him in a of Scott Fishbowl mock draft the other night. I blame me. Eric Bieniemy says, uh, fifth round, uh, commander's fifth round pick, uh, running back Chris Rodriguez has to prove himself on special teams. Is this like just, is this like just a, another way of saying this guy doesn't have a chance? Yes, correct. Um, it's, he is an aspiring Spencer Ware, and he's a good flight of stairs oh. away from that. Um, he, I like Chris Rodriguez as a, at Kentucky, but the, the hype on him was kind of nutty. Um, he is a powerful player with not a lot of burst who can do some everything reasonably well enough to make an NFL team, but never really be, uh, he, he, I don't even know if he's as good as Benny Snell, who was before him and he, he, we've seen Benny Snell and, you know, other than that one game where everyone went nuts, where he played well against the giants and thought he was the future to James Conner, James Conner's still a starter in this league. Benny Snell is yet to be one. I uh, thank you for your honesty and also fuck you for being so honest to trust my feelings. I believe this was a special effort on my behalf. Uh, another guy that we were really all high on last year that maybe fell a little short. Uh, Traylon Burks, the reporting this offseason has been glowing. The latest Toronto Davenport at ESPN suggesting there's a different swagger with Burks. Uh, reported the facility with a noticeably leaner build. Uh, he's playing at a different speed from his rookie season. Ryan Tannehill showing faith to throw Burke's way regardless of whether he is wide open or in tight coverage, according to uh, Davenport. I've also seen other reports, Matt, you know, suggesting that there was a point where he couldn't catch a flight or get a rental car to get back for OTAs. So he hired a, a like a Cessna pilot and got flown to Tennessee so he wouldn't miss any workouts. Um, <clears throat> let's say he has, you know, rounded a corner. There were some health issues last year. Talent-wise, is this guy capable in this offense of delivering high-end fantasy production absolutely he is and i think that he should be a pick that you should 
that is worth consideration where his his values at. Um, he he's figured out what he needs to look like, you know, in terms of his build for to be able to play NFL football, which is usually what guys have to figure out between year one and year two. You know, Alec Pierce with the Colts also came in much heavier and more muscled um, because he needed to get the NFL body. Burks had to go the opposite direction, um, and I think that the the faith to target him the way that they're doing is a good thing. And also Burks knows that Mike Vrabel doesn't, doesn't take anything off of anybody for dumb, you know, dumb scheduling quirks. So if he hired a Cessna, he knew he was scared shitless about not making a good impression early on. So yeah, I like that Burks has gotten the memo and he's, and I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, that's why I brought up that part of the story. I think it's, you know, the, these uh, motivations, the self-motivations are important. Traylon Burks going off as wide receiver 36, so you're getting the tail end of the wide receiver three range. And the same range as guys like Mike Evans. Tyler Lockett's still criminally underrated going yes. off as wide receiver 34. People, pay attention to the numbers the last five years on Tyler Lockett, please. Yeah. Uh, but shortly after that, like Jordan Addison, I think is maybe a little overvalued at 37. Kadarius Tony at 38, Jahan Dotson, another second-year player that I think is going to be on the rise, as well as George Pickens, all in that same range. So if you like these second-year guys that maybe didn't do everything you expected year one, uh, they're all in pretty good price range to maybe deliver this year. Uh, related note, semi-related note, uh, Kyle Phillips, he's bulked up. He was little. He was 180 pounds last year. He's up to maybe 190, 195, but had a super impressive week one last year. Then the injury bugs caught him. He seems to be the different piece there. I mean, we're all in on Chigokonkwo. We're starting to come around on Traylon Burks. Is there enough bandwidth in this passing attack to support another receiving asset there? And might that receiving asset be Kyle Phillips? There could be, and I think he's worth the free square just in case one of the two players that you just mentioned ahead of Phillips on the pecking order get hurt. Um, and then Phillips could really have a big season. But I think he's a fine bi-week option you can take off the waiver wire or you take late in drafts and just see how that offense progresses because Ryan Tannehill is certainly capable enough as long as the offensive line is good. I think Derek Henry's playing well enough. So, yeah, I'm bullish on the idea of Kyle Phillips as a free square guy. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in Tennessee, Nicholas Petit-Frere, the offensive tackle, received a six-game suspension. In Jacksonville, uh, Cam Robinson, we kind of knew this was coming, got his four-game suspension for violating the league's uh, performance-enhancing uh, dope policy. Uh, any downgrades for uh, Derrick Henry or Travis Etienne related to these issues? Well, I think Henry's, while they do use Henry on outside runs, I think that center guard is a little bit more important combination for Henry than it is with Etienne, who's going to be running outside a little bit more, where the tackle is going to be important. And they don't, um, I'm not sure the tight end room is a great blocking room in Jacksonville overall. Um, so it might impact him, um, ETN a little more than Henry, but I think what's going to impact ETN a little bit more than, than the offensive line is likely that they want to have him share time with the running backs that are in that room, namely um, big, you know, um, you know, Tank Bigsby probably at least between the tackles and a little bit more Dearness Johnson in the passing game. So, you know, if anything, I would say I wouldn't downgrade Henry, but this might be another layer to keep the downgrade on ETN. Right. And I, I totally agree with all that. Feel that, Matt Waldman. You're uh, acknowledging all the things I already believe. It makes me feel very good about myself. Hey, um, so <laughs> that's all I'm here for is uh, 
Oh, okay, so I, I want to, in terms of acknowledgement, I think some of these pieces that I've been using for this story uh, came from an ESPN article, which was surprise off-season standout. So uh, when they're not laying people off, ESPN is big on, you know, kind of hyping up some things and getting their beat writers to, to provide us a little juice that they know. It's a, you know, a little, little bait, and we're taking the bait. And some of that bait came in the form of this, Matt Paulman, Puka Nakua. Fifth round draft pick from BYU, says Dan Greenspan of ESPN, earned steady praise from head coach Sean McVay, quarterback Matthew Stafford, and fellow wideout Cooper Cup. Seems to have picked up the offense quickly, has a knack for getting open, uh, which they believe bodes well for him, or at least Dan Greenspan does. Uh, Carter got a receiving role in a group that lacks a lot of certainty behind Cup. I mean, that's kind of hypey, but it's also kind of based in fact. I mean, there's not a lot there. And I think also worth remembering is during his time at BYU, uh, Puka was not just a productive wideout, also used in the run game. He had uh, 357 rushing yards and five touchdowns, according to my friend Adam Pfeiffer. That made the noise. Uh, and it's kind of similar. The Rams used uh, Robert Woods in that rushing role. He had 20 carries a year uh, from 2018 to 2020. Are we sleeping on Puka Nakua? Yes, I think we are. And I think that he's a player I've certainly been touting a little bit more post-draft in the rookie scouting portfolio service um, because of his draft landing spot. Um, because when you look at it, Tutu Atwell, again, he hasn't gained any more weight, so he's still the type of guy that a stiff breeze might blow him out of the stadium. And then, you know, he's a good he's a good gadget player or deep threat on certain types of passes, but he's not a matchup threat against one-on-one. So that's kind of an issue. Van Jefferson, people loved his route running, but his hands at the catch point, he's not a one-on-one route winner beyond maybe 10, 15 yards and, um, you know, downfield. So he's not really a, a high, he's he's at best a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. That's what he's going to be during his career. They lost Allen Robinson, which wasn't a huge loss for them in terms of what he actually did, but what the expectation was. Nakua to me, when you say, do you feel he's maybe a Robert Woods type of player in this offense because he can run? I think Robert Woods is a very good you know, that's obviously the role that they play in the Rams. I would say that he's not quite Robert Woods as a route runner, but the flavor of the Woods type role that he does fit well is imagine if Golden Tate were in the Rams offense. And if you think about Golden Tate with the Detroit Lions, he was a guy who could play inside, outside, run out of the backfield, great runner after the catch. Nakua's more Golden Tate than Robert Woods which means maybe a little less reliable as a route runner. But yeah, you should be feeling him. All right, I like that one. Uh, so another one of those pieces on ESPN, this one by Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers. The extent to which I, Brandon Ayuk seems ready to elevate his game might catch some people off guard, Matt Waldman. But there's a good argument to be made, according to uh, Wagner, that he was consistently the best player on the field during OTAs and minicamp. His performance left fellow wideout Debo Samuel marveling. You can't cover that boy in a phone booth and quarterback uh, one of his uh, defense teammates, uh, Commodore Lenore, declaring that Ayuk will be a top five receiver in the NFL in 2023. That seems slightly hyperbolic to me, but let's frame it like this. Devo Samuel currently going off in the third round of underdog best balls as wide receiver 17. Uh, Brandon Ayuk uh, going off in the fifth round, two rounds later. Is it possible? Are you feeling Brandon Ayuk outproducing Devo Samuel this year? Yeah, I'm feeling that possibility in a big way because when you think about you know, overall with this 49ers offense, it is uh, very much a timing passing game. And Debo Samuel isn't a great timing guy on that level. I actually have 
projected Debo Samuel to earn about a hundred, about three more targets than Ayuk, but catch seven fewer for about two less yards per catch. Like I have Samuel at 826 yards and three touchdowns as a receiver and then another three rushing touchdowns with 300 yards rushing. Um, so maybe he just beats out Ayuk in the yardage department overall. But I have Ayuk at 1,065 yards on 80 catches and six touchdowns. So the, I think they're very close to even. And if you're going to go with PPR being the slight edge, maybe it's Ayuk. But with, with combined yardage, it, Samuel may be by a hair. So I, I'm feeling the idea that Ayuk is underrated. Yeah, a wide receiver 28 for Brandon Ayuk. And just to flesh that out a little bit again from Adam Pfeiffer from FTN Fantasy, uh, some numbers here. Uh, despite ranking 82nd yards per target, Samuel only caught 61% of his targets. His two and a half yards before the catch per reception were the fewest at his position. He failed to reach 65 receiving yards in all but three contests. And also, the arrival of Christian McCaffrey was a big factor in the seven games he played alongside McCaffrey. Samuel averaged 6.7 targets. 4.1 catches, 41 yards per game. That's 11.3 PPR points per week. In the weeks before McCaffrey, he averaged eight targets, four and a half receptions, uh, 57 targets, up over 15 points per game. So a four-point PPR change. Also, one last note. Go ahead and look it up. Which Samuel scored more in PPR last year, Matt, Depot or Curtis? Ooh, Curtis. He did. Yes. So it's just, you know, uh, we're still drafting that Debo to be that ball carrying that, you know, that yeah, and that's over. Producer, it seems like that is over indeed. All right, <clears throat> so let's finish it off with a fun one here. Trent Shurfield, we were told uh, by ESPN, uh, got increased opportunities at the Z receiver for quarterback Josh Allen, which Stephon Diggs not present for most of OTAs. He made a big impression in that time. With Allen saying of Shurfield during OTAs, and I quote, I've loved what I've seen from Trent so far. The dude works extremely hard. One of the hardest working guys on the team doesn't complain about anything. Matt, are you feeling vague passive aggressive comments on teammates uh, or fuck that? <laughs> Listen, 20 year olds will be 20 year olds. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm sure Terry Bradshaw and people back in the 70s were doing the same <clears throat> shit, you know, and I know Bradshaw was doing it in his 30s and 40s. So some people just never learn. Um, but you know, just kind of like what I just did, but I, at least I was direct about saying that <clears throat> it was him, you know, but, uh, but I, I think that, um, I don't really care. I, I don't, I, you know, at the end of the day, Stefan Diggs is either going to be in town and be in the top receiver on the team or he's not. Right. And it's probably not going to be Trent Sherfield. It's probably going right. to be, you know, it's either going to be Deandre Hopkins as the replacement or, it's going to be Khalil Shakir or a combination of Shakir and Dalton Kincaid with a little bit more Trent Shurfield in the mix, depending on what Gabriel Davis can do. Um, so I'm, uh, I'd like really to see, care. I'd like to see everybody working hard, but if we're being honest here, Trent Shurfield probably needs to work a little harder at yeah. this point in his career than once Stephon Diggs, who might have demonstrated some uh, ongoing yeah. abilities. And, that, yeah. And Josh Allen, I mean, listen, is he frustrated with Diggs yelling at him? Probably. We don't know what Diggs said, 
but you <laughs> I'll know. go ahead and say this is 50-50. Somebody asked him about Trent Shurfield, and he said something nice about Trent Shurfield. And if Stephon Diggs was even in his mind, in the back of his mind, and that was the slightest of Diggs, uh, no pun intended, uh, you know, it wouldn't be totally surprising, but also I would be pretty dismissive of it as well. Yeah. I, I do think that's the interesting part of the story. There does seem to have been a falling out at, to some degree. They, those guys, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, seem like the best of friends. You know, there are points where they seem like inseparable buddies, right? And so, yeah. uh, so hopefully they can regain that vibe. And, you know, maybe it doesn't matter at all once they get on the field. Everything will happen as it does. But uh, hopefully all, all that comes together, much like you and I come together. It was fantastic, phenomenal. I feel this, Matt. I feel it. Uh, and so uh, we'll be back maybe next week. Yeah, maybe um, next week. I've got we'll some see. things. I got some off-field issues going on that I'll have to deal with. So uh, we're doing uh, the scramble drill. I'll 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 float in space until and then if you're ready to throw, then I'll be there. I think I'll be ready to throw, but I don't know for sure. Okay. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in again. Uh, go to mattwalman.com. Check out all the RSP stuff. The post-draft RSP is out there, and there's tons Get of good your content magazines. for you. Get, Get your magazines. Get your magazines. Too. Yes, so that Matt your in there outlet. as well. Yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah, all the bookstores, all the grocery stores, all the drugstores. You know all the names and uh, and uh, and the airports too. Yeah, if I mean, you be wherever you're driving, heard, you're, when you're heard, driving, you need to stop to off and, and get them. You know, you got to stop off somewhere and get them while the kids are running around. And then, you know, when you know when you when you need to retire a little bit from like the family stuff and you need a little bit of reading time. You know, when, you, when your when your flight is delayed, I'm yeah. told that's quite possible. Go oh, to yeah. that Hudson bookstore and uh, and you'll find your copy there as well. Yeah, right, perfect. Everybody. Love you, Mac. Goodbye. Love you.